Can you imagine? It was a little windy that day. They gathered around with shovels coming out, just a field, hardly anything north of us. A small group of people were dreaming about a church that would be here for years to come. They could have never imagined all that would become of the Park City's Baptist Church. And yet for them, it was incredible faith at the time to say, yes, let's do more than we can even imagine. And because of their faith, we stand here today. Breaking day for this present property took place on Mother's Day, 1948. Everyone came. If we built a church on the right foundation, it had to be for the leadership of Christ and depending wholly upon Him for what we did. So we stand on their shoulders today, still driven by the unique distinctives that guided those before us. Christ centers us in all things. Scripture guides us. Cultural engagement propels us and serving defines us. And the glory of God drives us in everything we do. As we look at the next five, 10, 15 years and imagine what our church would look like as we move into the future. We believe there still ought to be a church right here, right now, and worship Him as we ask God to show us more than we can imagine. Praise be to God. Imagine 1939. 
Some have called it the greatest year in film history. Anybody? The Wizard of Oz in Technicolor, right? It goes from black and white to color to back to black and white in Kansas. Gone with the wind by the end of the year. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. And a young golfer by the name of Byron Nelson won the U.S. Open. And the world of tomorrow was the uh, theme for the world's uh, state fair, I mean the uh, world's fair in New York. New products that were introduced that year to the public, colored television, colored film, and nylon stockings, ladies. <laughs> Not all <laughs> that is new is better, right? But there is a great spirit, an entrepreneurial spirit. We finally got our feet back on the ground after the Great Depression. And there was great hope and a lot of different inventions that came our way during this time. Air conditioning cars. Packard presented the first air conditioning car. The corn dog was invented. <laughs> Praise be. If you're from Texas, the corny dog was, <laughs> was invented. Y'all, what a year. Am I right? Just amazing. I'm curious, anybody born in, I know some of y'all right around this time, 1939. Anybody? 1939. Okay, we're right here. Yes. Praise be to God. Wow. A lot of great things happened. And the Pine Ridge Boys on October the 6th of that year, yeah, brought us a new song called You Are My Sunshine. Now, not all was sunny on the other side of the Atlantic. As Hitler's Nazi Germany invaded Poland, and on September the 1st, Jews were forced to wear the Star of David to identify them and segregate them and ultimately end up in labor camps. Two days later, Britain and France declared war on Germany. And while a small group of people, those of us here in Dallas, were reading about this in University Park, these dreamers gathered together in the midst of such turmoil in the world and they believe what George W. Truett said when he noted there ought to be a church in the park cities far north Dallas as has already been noted now 84 years later this Thursday our church began they had nothing as, as noted they had no money they had no building they didn't have a pastor they had a dream they had a dream because that's where it all begins. A God-given dream to preach the gospel through their lives, to come together and understand the scriptures, to apply the word of God, to serve this growing community, and to tell others about the love of Jesus that those before us could not have imagined. And not unlike today, with tensions around the world, this small group met at University Park Elementary School for a while. And you saw they took their first offering, not for themselves, but outside of themselves. And that has been our practice ever since. To whom much is given, much is required. And Dr. Alton Reed became our first pastor for the first seven and a half years. They dreamed of a place. I've written, I mean, I've read his, uh, kind of his memoirs, his account of being a pastor here. Just fascinating. And by a process of elimination, he said, came to the White House. There, right, if you know this area, just on the other side of Preston, at Lover's Lane, right where yeah, Scotland Yard is today, they found the White House. 
to meet in. Added to it, as you've seen already, he said that by the time they added as much as they could, they could get about 400 people in a room together, just crammed in there to worship. They knew they needed another place. So just uh, after that, just a year or so later, as they'd been meeting and growing, December the 7th, 1949, of course, Pearl Harbor was attacked, and the U.S. joined the Allied forces in the war. Can you imagine, just a couple of years after we launched our church? By the end of the war, 1945, we continue to grow, and and. and and, and we continue to see God at work. By the time, 1947, by the time Dr. Reed um, had finished his pastor just after that, uh, you noted there, or he, say, he said that we had grown to about 1,000 people, 800,000 people or so. He said in his, in his writings that, um, if you know this area, again, Airline and Preston Road, all the way from southwestern up, was farmland. And so, sure enough, Elizabeth Mills lived out in the sticks, y'all. She was way up there. And he said they were starting to dream and realizing they couldn't stay where they were. So they developed this, um, this master plan. This is over in our Shelton Conference room, and you can't see, but over in the corner here, it says 1947. 1947. They dreamed of this campus. And it was about 10 years later, in fact, 10 years later, when we when we, uh, nine years after we finished the Reed building and the Plights building, we now call them, first, nothing was here, and then finally the sanctuary came. The one that we're standing in right now was completed in 1956, after Dr. Herbert Howard became our pastor, after the church had been growing, and the sanctuary was completed in 1957. Ded dedicated then, early 1958, fun fact, my grandfather, who was a friend of Dr. Howard's, was invited to preach right where I'm standing on the day of dedication, long before I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina. That God would have him here preaching on that day, as he had been the president of the convention and they were friends. And, and in 1964, we started to broadcast our, our services on television, innovative thing at the time. And then Dr. Pleitz became our pastor, 1976, where he had the thought of the day. Anybody remember the thought of the day? It was on television. And in 1999, responding to the need to reach a next generation is so much that was changing. Uh, we, we established the, the contemporary service on Saturday nights that, of course, had shifted over time to our Sunday mornings. 2008, flash forward, we launched our Spanish language ministries that you've heard already about establishing now three campuses where they meet, a couple of hundred people now. It continues to grow under Dr. Orlando Aguirre's uh, leadership. Just amazing. The people before us could have never imagined that this would happen. And of course, this past summer, Hispanics, now the number one demographic in Texas, could have never imagined the changes that we'd see. Our membership would grow today to 10,000 people. And over the past 20 years, as noted even already, our ministries, our mission involvement here in the city and around the world has increased dramatically. They could have never dreamed what God would do through us, through our people. And if you'll just walk with me for just a moment, ministry like Cornerstone, 
where we've been engaged for so long with Chris Simmons, who we've heard from recently, Cornerstone Kitchen that was established by your gifts and by, you, by the leadership of Larry Richardson and other members in our church helping make that happen. The men of Nehemiah, who we loved so much, uh, with Lewis Harrell from the start, from New Orleans, am I right? Katrina brought Lewis by God's sovereign hand here. And men like Brian Fant, who leads our men's class. It was a connect group. It, it was a group of men. Rick Morgan, who was with us, all these men. Stephen Barnes. Uh, again, Larry Richards and Jim Ramsey now is CEO of Men of Nehemiah in retirement, right? Just amazing. The people before us could have never dreamed that we would be at the forefront of racial reconciliation and, and biblical justice in our world, caring for immigrants and refugees, caring for the neediest people among us. Some of you remember Virginia Presley and Dewey Presley. Virginia led our, our clothes closet. She was so involved in Brother Bill's helping hands. And then Suzanne Griffin, her daughter, became the director over time. People like Bob Herrera, we stand on his shoulders. People like Terry Hurd now, who's guiding and leading amazing ministries at Vickery, establishing the Vickery Herrera Center in Vickery. Consider Dan Young, Ben Jones, who are continuing delivering furniture to people in need who show up here in the States desperate for a place to be and, and, and a place to call their own. I think of unsung heroes. Most of you don't know Gabriela Campa. Who, who leads uh, our ministries and the Spanish language ministries at Bachman Lake now. She's been there helping establish a Bible study over the past year, and now with children. She has been a servant for so long. She's there now helping get us ready for today. Juan and Lourdes, Macias, so many people in our Spanish-speaking ministries. They could have never imagined that our ministries would go well beyond just University Park and, and, and across Dallas to places like South Texas, where hundreds of you have been. I'm curious, how many of you have been to South Texas? Hundreds of us over the years. Under the leadership of John Parker, the Pope of South Texas. <laughs> and, and, I mean, just humble leadership uh, that he brings, just challenging us all. He and Zona, just so faithful. Serving with Buckner and Hearts for Kids there. We've launched so many churches over the years here in Dallas. Just the past four years, our church pastoral center launched four years ago has, has planted 20 churches in the Dallas area already. And another group even now being trained. We've raised up interns. We're raising up residents to serve here and far sent into the world. And I could go on and on about those of you who are leading the next generation, the littlest disciples among us. Because right now, people are serving as they do every week. Some of you may not know J.K. Walker, who's teaching our our, 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 some of your grandkids, our kindergartners, every single Sunday without missing faithful servants. And Miss, Miss Martha Howard, what an example you saw her a moment ago. Taught five-year-olds for 65 years in our church. Praise be to God. Who will step up? Who will persevere as these who've gone before us? 
I mean, there's, there's a lot of us come in and out. It's not how we start, it's how we finish. Amen? Praise be to God. I think of people who are just now hosting our crew groups, our students, Max and Whitney Jodry, who are hosting, I think, a few groups right now in their homes. I think of people like Craig and Heather Wilson. Some of y'all know uh, Chris and Michelle Hill. Chris, who leads a Bible study in their home as well before the kids go off to school. Clint Williamson and Bethany do the same. I think of Paige and Carol Strong, who are just right now leading We Worship, like a holiday, I mean, a Hollywood production for our youngest kids. And they are serving the Lord. They've done so for the past 20 years or so. I think of Deborah Roundtree, who's leading a ministry where we take the flowers, these beautiful flowers, do not die. They go to people. Yes, they die ultimately. They go to people who are in, in home, who wouldn't have a connection with our church otherwise, perhaps, and go and pray with them and let them know that we care for them. I think of Herman Hawkins, who's in home celebrated his 102nd birthday yesterday and this is our team that goes to people like herman who maybe can't get out anymore and say we we love you you're part of the church friends we need all of us as we've noted lately and i could go on and on i think of barbara mendrup who is ready to, to, to offer a meal serve a meal to, to our, our choirs, our orchestras. He's in the, in the choir. I think of people like Janie Oliver, who's been serving our children and others now, who have been raising up our littlest worshipers among us. I think of people like Laura Dronzik, Tony Halliburton, along with Barbara and others, who serve Valerie Bergstrom and the people who have lost loved ones as we have funerals and weddings here and ministry, just coming alongside them. And I could go on and on. I want to. <laughs> Connect group leaders, you're here today. And all you do, we have incredible connect group leaders teaching the Word of God. I think of Don and Wayne Mason, who lead our newlywed class. Wayne's written a curriculum for the first year of marriage, where we, we get our feet on the ground. I think of our newlywed, our nearlywed ministry, for those who are not yet married, establishing strong Christ-centered marriages. I think of our sports outreach ministries that has reached thousands of kids, Lori Tharp, who's been here for decades, and she still has this young, exuberant spirit among us. Lori, we love you and praise God for you. But here's my point in all of that, and I could go on and on. Who will step up? Because now is our time. And friends, we have a moment in time. And I've said it recently, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste my life because we will be the ones who are long gone and forgotten and the only name that will matter is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. It's why we don't put our names on everything that we, we give to. We don't put our names out there. It's not about us. It's exalting His name. And those before us could have never imagined the gospel impact and the influence of the kingdom. And I'm proclaiming today, friends, I am proclaiming on this day, there still ought to be a church right here, right now, for this generation and the next one to come. Because God has called us here. I've never been more convinced than I am now. He has resourced us. He's positioned us. He has formed us and shaped us. And many of you who are brand new here over the past year, many who are here, you need to join us today. 
Because God is doing a new thing among us. He has refined us over the past several years. And we are positioned for the next 5, 10, 84 years to come. Because we've said it. We are distinguished by the fact that Christ centers us. He is the focus of everything that we do. It's his church, and he said he would build it. Scripture guides us. In a post-truth world, we say the word of God does not change. And cultural engagement propels us to be wise, thoughtful, smart, engaging a world that so desperately needs Jesus. Serving defines us. Jesus said that they will know that we belong to him by our love first. We lead with love. And today I want to just, just focus in for a moment on the fact that God's glory drives us. Everything we do is, is, is one big hallelujah back to him. All of life is a hallelujah exclamation point back to him for all he's done for us. Every day we get up, everything that we do, we stand in awe of what he's done over the past eight decades. But I want to challenge you individually as well. We do this together, but I want us to turn to Ephesians 3, all right? So grab your Bible and turn to Ephesians 3 because Scripture guides us. In fact, so much so that you can read with us. You have your bulletin. You're going to need this uh, today as well. But today you can also pick up your new bookmark and go on our website and find our reading plan that starts tomorrow. Ephesians 3, God's glory drives us. We're going to be in 14 through 21. We're going to put these couple of verses in context, and then we're going to land this, offer a challenge, and we're going to uh, have lunch on the lawn together, all right? Ephesians 3. Now, what is the glory of God? The word glory in the Greek is doxa, okay? Doxa, like doxology. You've heard that. A word about the glory of God is what that is. A song about the glory of God. But doxa is his, is his holiness, expressed in his character, in all of his attributes. He's totally different, totally, totally other than we are in every one of his attributes. And his attributes, his character expressed is his glory. As we see his glory. So what I want to see here in this passage, Paul lets us in on his devotional life. It's a prayer that we're looking at. He lets us in on his journal writing, and this is my devotional life, by the way. I'm letting you in on my devotional life. It says here, right here on this text, my prayer for PCBC. Wrote that more than a decade ago when I arrived here. My prayer for us. Because he's going to show us we are planted in the past. We're rooted in the present. And we are growing into the future. Look at this unique passage for us. Verse 14 for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. In other words, we're all created by him, his children. Okay, for this reason. What, what, what reason? The gospel revealed. That's what the rest of or a pre, uh, part of this service or of this, uh, this chapter speaks of. The fact that Christ has come and there's now a righteousness that comes to us, not by works, but by faith in him. It's why everyone is included, we say it. And, and, and yet it's exclusive because it's only through Christ because he alone lived the perfect life for us. He died on the cross for us. Paul's been explaining this, this manifold wisdom of God that's been ex, that expressed in the gospel to all people. So he says, this has changed our lives. Christ has come, died on the cross for our sin. 
took your sin on the cross, your shame, your punishment, went to Him. And then He is buried, He's raised up to prove that He is all-powerful, God in the flesh, and He has overcome death and hell, and then we follow Him in resurrection. This is what Paul means when he says, for this reason. We bow before the Father. Something that has happened in the past. He's saying this has already happened. The work is finished by Jesus. We stand on the fact that our past, I've shared this with our men of Nehemiah, our past does not define us. Jesus' past defines us. Amen? And his past is perfect. His past, it, uh, the, the great um, theologian, Karl Barth, Swiss theologian, he was asked, when were you saved? He said, 33 A.D. It's happened. It's done. We receive by faith, not by works, what he's done. So we are, we are planted in the past. And then look at what he says here. According to the riches of his glory, wow, we can hang out there for a while. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Now He's talking about the present life that we live. The power of the Spirit in every single one of us. If you've received Christ, the power of the Spirit in you, you're rooted in the present. He's talking about this inner life that we have with Jesus. The Spirit in us. He says, so that, look at verse 17, Christ may dwell, there's our word, in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted, there it is, and grounded in love, would dwell in him, established in his love. Okay, now listen to this. I want us to focus in here. Look at verse 18. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Can we do this together? What is the breadth and the length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This word know is gnosos. You might know this word. Is, it's an experiential knowledge. It's what, what's why, is why he says it surpasses knowledge. It goes past knowledge. It's experience that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Another phrase we could land on. But here's what I want you to see. He says it's the breadth of his love. What's the breadth of his love? His ra the range of his love. The wide expanse of his grace. Every tribe, every nation, every, it doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter your pedigree, your social position, whatever you've done in the past, none of that matters up against his love. And then he says, look at this, the length of his love. What's the length of his love? You, you, you can't outrun him. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Once he gets a hold of you, he will not let you go. And once we receive his grace, by faith, it was Francis Thompson who said, he is the hound of heaven. He will run you down. You can't get away from him. He goes after you. He tracks you down. Then he says the height. This is where he wants to take us. This is where he lifts us up. He raises us up with him in the heavenly places, meaning we now have a new identity. We're no longer uh, wallowing around in sin. We're no longer hell-bound. We've been raised up by him. We are totally forgiven is who we are. He's raised us up. And then he says the depth of his love. Friends, consider today how far he has descended to us. 
Philippians 2, from the very top all the way down, he has come to us. And he's become not only a man, he's died on that cross for us so that we could know him. He emptied himself so that we could come to him. And you need to hear this today. Your sin, your darkest place, and some of you are in a really dark place this morning. I mean, circumstances or maybe your own doing. But you find yourself wondering, can God love me, friends? He loves you and He'll never let you go. You need to know this today. Your failure, my failures, do not repel Him. Instead, they trigger His love towards us. That's what He does because that's who He is. And can I say it with our brothers here at the front? We're all addicted to sin. All of us are addicted to something. And it's sin in the end. Self-justification. The Lord steps into that and He says, I've come to rescue you from yourself. You're justified because of what I say about you. Paul says we're planted in the past, we're rooted in the present, and we're growing toward the future. Okay, now all of us together, our kids helped us here. We're going to do it here in the ESV. Look at verse 20. Let's say this together now. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our ground in the past, friend, you're rooted in the present. And we are growing toward the future. Now imagine with me. Imagine a world, imagine our nation 10, 20, 50 years from now. More diverse than it's ever been. More uh, pluralistic than it's ever been. More secular, non-spiritual than it's ever been. These are all the trends. But I believe right now we are at an inflection point right now. Not only in our nation, but in our lives, each one of us. We're seeing the largest and fastest religious shift in American history. The previous largest shift was 25 years after the Civil War. But now it's bigger and moving in the other direction. More people have left the church since the turn of the century. So essentially 20, 25 years, 23 years, 25 years more people have left the church since the, uh, than those who came to Christ in the first and second great awakening and in all of the Billy Graham crusades combined. 40 million Americans have left the church. I'm talking about adults who came at least once a month who now come less than once a year. We've been talking about it for a long time, and, and, and we've seen this is the great de-churching of America. We've talked about how the pandemic just catapulted us into the future, but I'm here to say, listen, this can end. It can stop with a revival in God's church among His people. Our time is now. Right now is our time. Imagine people living in this world. If the trends continue 50 years from now, people anxious, lonely, maybe more attached to their devices, detached from real relationships that leads to depression and isolation, anxiety. 50 years from now, the boomers are long gone. 
Many of us in this room, long gone. Millennials are old, like the oldest generation. <laughs> and Gen Z, you guys now with your teenagers and your college students, you're living out the latter part of your adult years. Imagine the emergence of the next generation, alpha, the alpha generation, the first generation born in this millennium. They're now the ones living in the most non-Christian secular culture we've ever known so now imagine christians living in that culture as exiles in babylon in a post-truth culture but living in a countercultural way having been discipled and raised up in god's truth and the way of jesus practicing these these subversive intriguing habits living out of sabbath rest being a non-anxious presence in the world because we've got nothing to fear because Christ is the one who holds us. Imagine Christians so humble, so poor in spirit, comforting those who need comfort, and caring for those who are mourning, who do not hunger and thirst for material things, but hunger and thirst for righteousness, who stand out as lights in the darkness. Imagine us being those people. Imagine the flames of revival that we're already seeing in this next generation. We've seen it at the Asbury Revival. Just pockets of revival on Auburn's campus and other college campuses where we're seeing this. We're seeing it in our high school students. And, and they're rising up to say, we're going to follow Jesus with all we've got. In a culture that desperately needs Him. Imagine now our church, Park City's Baptist Church. Imagine us. Imagine you. With whatever days the Lord has left for you to be here. And now imagine, imagine our campus. Imagine this area right here. See, over the past 50 years, you can see this postcard. Uh, you can see the growth that has taken place. This was about 50, maybe 60 years ago. And you see Preston Center. I want you to see this. This is not, um, this is not a new image here. This, I mean, this is not dreaming something way off. This is now. Imagine this whole area with high-rise residential uh, places where people are living here in this area. We're already seeing it across the street. We're seeing it all around. Imagine uh, this, this area as a town center, okay? Imagine people living in, in this area, walking to restaurants, as they do already, walking to church, walking to, bringing their kids to our day, day school. Imagine people all around us looking a lot more like uptown than it does right now. Just imagine. Imagine an oasis in the middle of this spot right here, repurposed, a place that's repurposed. You may know that our long-range planning committee has been meeting for some time. Uh, Randy Perry uh, has been leading the way, and our deacons have looked at footprints, like what could we imagine, what might happen here as we keep dreaming. And we've established, as leaders, we've said, this is our trajectory, okay? This is, this is the pathway forward with many decisions still to be made. Some of you may know that there's already a committee that's been working for months to, and talking about how to enhance the most beautiful sacred space on our campus, this sanctuary where we find ourselves today, to enhance our choir and our orchestra, to, to bring uh, the preacher out a bit closer, a bit more intimate here, and help us with, with sound and, and the spoken word in this room. And we are thrilled 
with what God is doing, and we're going to bring those plans to you and, and talk about what's happening there. It's been amazing work that's been done, but think about it. Think about like your own family. Some of you are brand new parents here. Um, you know, you, you, you say, oh my goodness, we've got a child coming. You start to repurpose your house, right? You think, well, this room's going to become a nursery. Uh-oh. We better change this room. How about a playroom would be nice, a place where they, if we had grass or some place where kids could go out and get off screens as God intended them to play, imagine. Imagine our campus. Imagine green space. Open space for kids. Imagine a safe place where kids could come. Imagine, imagine a splash pad. You're looking now, you, you see where you are? You're looking from uh, Tom Thumb across uh, to, our, to our church, to our campus. Imagine a place that invites you in just by looking at it. And imagine people living here in this area, doing life, business people, families coming from all over to say, let's go to this place. Imagine a coffee shop where people could come and have gospel conversations, a place where people would want to come as a destination to gather and to talk about what really matters in life. Imagine a kid's playground. Imagine a, a, a place where the community could come together. Where families could come, even as they're already doing with our indoor playground, praise be to God. But imagine University Park, Preston Hollow. Imagine people from uh, Highland Park, Lake Highlands, Lakewood, Uptown, all around, right? Plano, Richardson. Imagine people coming to say, let's, let's come together to be equipped. Let's come together as friends. Let's come together to worship in this place. Repurposing. And again, we're just dreaming. These are just dreams. We have no real plans, but imagine... As we dream together, imagine a bright, open gym where kids can play. We have sports outreach, next level for, for the next generation, where thousands of kids have come through our ministries here. Kids camps, again, imagine it open to the entire community, partnering with others. Imagine a town center. Imagine we get to see each other on a Sunday morning. Imagine a place where we're just a foreshadowing of, of a new creation. Redeem people in a redeemed space that say, hey, let's come together. Imagine a place where you could come and actually see one another before and after services. And greet one another even during the week. Imagine our future. And we know this. What's true in the future is what is true now. The church is not a building. The church is not space. The church is not ministries and programs and preferences and all those things. These are just tools. Tools to be used for His glory and for His mission. But I was, I was struck, even this morning, just watching all that was taking place in the history and our men of Nehemiah here. Friends, we need a strong home base if we're going to continue to flourish and continue to share with the rest of the world our resources, and partnering with people all over the globe. Imagine a place. But I want you to see this. We can do more than imagine. Where is all this heading? Well, we know. Revelation 7 tells us. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe or every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages 
standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, totally forgiven, okay, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Imagine the days we have remaining on this planet before we enter into glory and a new earth, a redeemed earth with redeemed people worshiping a redeemed and resurrected Savior. Imagine bringing heaven to our friendships. Imagine you bringing heaven here on earth in your family, in your workplace. Imagine Dallas as it is in heaven. Imagine the future of our church. Again, not buildings, our kids. Imagine our children being raised up in this next generation, living together, doing life together, the highest moments of their lives to come. And the lowest, darkest moments of grief. Imagine these kids by the thousands and more to come. Imagine these children coming to faith in Christ where they have no hope apart from Him and determining to live their lives all to His glory. Imagine this, even long after we're gone. Imagine even in your present circumstances that today you decide you're not going to waste your life. And whatever the Lord gives you left, you're going to live for Him. Imagine this day would mark your life for the rest of your life. This is why God's called you here today, not by accident. And what I want us to do, you know, each week we've been asking a question. And uh, we've been saying, hey, will you, will you, how you follow Jesus? Will you read Scripture with us? Will, will, you, uh, will you reach out to others? Who will you invite? Who will you bring? Where will you serve? And today, all of those questions culminate with a singular question. Are you all in? The answer to that, those questions, are you all in? And what I want you to do, I want you to take this bulletin. I hope you got one. Not everybody got one, perhaps. You can grab one on your way out. And let's do this. I'm going to orchestrate. I don't have Keith Meek up here, but I'm going to orchestrate. Um, tear this off right now. Ready? One, two, three. Let's go. Some of you are late on the beat. You were late. Okay. Um, what I want you to do now, I want you to take this, uh, this card. We're going to take these up here in just a moment. And I want you to, to sign it, okay? And I'm going to sign mine right now. If you're all in, if you're all in, I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment. But I want you to say yes to him. And in a moment, our students are going to go after I pray. And they're going to come gather around, grab those from you. I want you to sign it. And the answer to the question, are you all in? You're saying yes, yes I am. Now, consider this, friends, before I pray. You might be here today. Maybe you just showed up today. You're invited. Maybe you're first time here. Or maybe you've been here for a while. Or maybe you see this and, and you're thinking, ah, I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe you're skeptical. I am certain that there were people who stood on this plot of land right here on that day when we broke ground. They said, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. But you know what they did do? By the hundreds and thousands to come. They believed. They believed in what they could not see. See, some of us like doubting Thomas. I'll believe once I see him. I'm not going to believe until I see him. 
Jesus said, Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. We can be those who have faith not only to imagine, but to trust the Lord every step of the way that we're going to give all we have to Him. Are you all in? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done in our church long before we got here. And for our friends, our guests here today, we praise you for them. We thank you for the impact that our church has had across our city and around the globe. And Lord, I, I commit my life to you again. Friend, would you say that just right now on this historic day, whatever he is prompting you, whatever stirring in your heart, say it to him from your heart. Maybe for you it is, Lord, I'm all in. I don't want to waste my life. Whatever that means for you. I want us to just put your, put your palms up as we continue to pray. Just your palms up right where you are, just seated. Put your palms up. Just to say, Lord, my, here's my life. Here's my life. Lord, all of us can say, we're sorry. We're sorry for the mess that we have made. Lord, I'm sorry for, for my sin and my failure. And I give you my life. I thank you that I can, with open hands, an open heart, receive your grace. And I praise you for it. I thank you can take this life and you can make it something beautiful. I give you my life from this day forward. Lord, bless your church. Do what you alone can do and may all glory go to you and to you alone. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. And amen. All right, our students are going to come. Let's, let's uh, pass those cards into the middle, into the center. Okay, do that. You pass them into the middle, and we're going to take all of them up. So move them quick to the, to the center so the kiddos will have a moment to get those. Um, we'll make those available. Uh, we'll make them available at the doorways here or out back afterwards. And, or give them to one of our staff members. Somebody has an Imagine shirt on. You can give them your card as we uh, enter into into our lunch together, okay? Now, while they're taking those up, you may be wondering, what's, what's next? What's next? Well, first, pray with us. Pray with us. We humbly ask you and urge you to pray with us, okay? We can't do more than pray until we pray, is how we say it, but we can do more than pray. We're going to keep you updated on how you can pray. We want you to dream with us. This, this day has been historical. Some of you are like, what's 84th? Why is that such a big deal? Because the timing is perfect for us today to say, let's dream together. The hard work, a lot of work has been done, but we have a million decisions to make. And all of this has been just imagining. Because we want you to imagine with us, to dream with us. Like those who stood here and looked around and dreamed, we want you to do that. The past is gone. It's never coming back. And the present is here. And so there's a simple form at pcbc.org. You can see that slash imagine. You can scan your QR code on your bulletin today. Grab one. You can do that anytime. This afternoon. You can do it later. But do it so that we have uh, you know, your information. We can, we can uh, help you join the conversation. That's what we want you to do. 
join the conversation. Over the next months, we're going to have uh, host small groups. Along the way, we're going to invite you to come. And by uh, going there with the QR code, going on the, on the website there, you can fill out the little form online, and that'll let us know that you would like to be a part. You'll be hearing about these in the days to come, but we want you to do that. We would love for you to speak into this. This is us together. So those early dreamers, they stood on the field, and they dreamed about what they could not see, but you know what they did know? What we have learned and know even better than them now, God is faithful. He's faithful. And he's faithful in your life. And he's faithful in mine. And together we get to proclaim his faithfulness that should spur us on into the future to trust him with everything we've got. We're going to sing a song, a hymn, that I'm guessing has been sung in this room more than any other hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. So let's all stand together and we're going to sing and then Rodney's going to come and give us final instructions on the rest of the day.